Welcome back to another episode of Thirsty Thursday. It has been a hot minute since the last time we recorded one of these episodes, but we're back with a relatively regular crew. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about. I think we're going to talk about that new Sony camera that everybody's talking about that I have not had enough time to even catch up on, so I'll probably be learning just as much as some of you may be learning about this new camera. But we will go through the list so you can hear everybody's voices, who they are, and what they sound like, because it's been a while. So Isabella, go ahead. Oh, gosh. Okay. Hello, hello. I'm Isabella, I'm from Helsinki, Finland, and I'm in my not a usual blank fort, but typical blank fort, and I also know nothing about the new Sony camera or Sony cameras in general, so this shall be fun. Amazing. Aaron, you're up next. What's up? My name's Aaron. I go by Aaron Bagel online, and I take photos and videos. I'm a Sony fanboy, so this is right up my alley, and uh, in true Thursday Thursday tradition, cheers. Cheers. Wayne, go ahead from the wind tunnel. Hey, my name's Wayne, a content creator based here in New York City, and I'm the lone Canon fanboy because uh, I guess everybody else loves Sony that much. So I'm here to defend Canon's honor. Amazing. And welcome back to the show after a small hiatus, Kizzer. Hey, uh, I am Kizzer. I mean, you guys might have heard my voice before. I've been on some of the other episodes, just a narrative filmmaker. And I watch Gerald's uh, A7S video, so now I'm an A7S3 expert. <laughs> and we have Kevin. Um, yeah, my name is Kevin. I am a photographer, videographer in Raleigh, North Carolina. Beautiful. And last but absolutely certainly not least, Emilio. Hello, everybody. This is Emilio. I'm coming from Athens, Greece, and uh, it's so bug to be back here. So good bit, to be back yeah. here. Right? <laughs> it, is, it is very back to be back here. Uh, absolutely uh, buckly. Absolutely buckly. <laughs> okay, so for a little bit of context, a new camera came out this week. Um, I was actually on set the last few days, and especially during the launch, which I believe was on Tuesday. Uh, Sony released the new A7S III. This is a long-awaited camera from people that use the A7S II, which splashed onto the market almost five years ago now, I believe. Uh, it was known as being the low-light beast, had very, very solid image quality, and for a while it kind of dominated the mirrorless video scene. And then it kind of fell off a bit as other cameras came out uh, with better features. And so after five long years, Sony has came out, come out sorry, uh, with the, I guess, the perfect camera for some people if you are specifically into video um i know a lot of friends that have personally ordered it uh or pre-ordered it sorry and you've probably seen online that a lot of people have ordered it all as well and if you've also been on the internet or unless you live under a rock all of youtube is talking about this sony a7s3 i'm going to throw this over to aaron because you are the resident sony fanboy and i feel like you probably know the most about this camera as well do you want to just give us a spark notes on just like the standout kind of features of what this camera is offering and why people should be excited about it I mean, for starters, you should just look up Gerald Undone's video about it because uh, absolutely, I don't know who said it, but uh, if you uh, watch that, you are essentially an expert on the topic. Like the guy goes very in depth, more than I could ever give you. But uh, basics: uh, it does 4K 120. Uh, it does 10 bit 422. If you have any idea what that means, it just be- means pretty colors, really. Uh, it means when you point it at the sky, it's not like uh, a rainbow of shades of blue but it's like a nice gradient things like that um it now has the capability to 16-bit raw output if you use an external recorder but at this point there's no recorder that actually does that Uh, but basically 
everything that people have been asking for when it comes to video and Sony's, they've delivered on. Uh, more frame rate options, uh, the best possible quality 4K, and uh, just an overall great experience. And and the most important feature that people have been hammering on for years and years and years, a flip-out LCD screen. So that's basically all there is to know. Uh, it's it's great for video. It's decent for photo. I think that about covers it, really, actually. Like, yeah, that's no, all you need to know. Yeah, it's one of those cameras where, uh, yeah, and you made a great great point of watching Gerald's video because he just does a really nice technical deep dive. And there's some more, like, other, I don't want to say more fun videos because I don't want that, that kind of downplays Gerald's style. Um, but there's some other there's some other fun cinematic videos if you're just looking to see like what it's capable of or the footage or whatnot. Uh, Potato Jet did some fun videos like even comparing it to the FX9 uh, yeah. and the Sony ZV1 or ZV1, however you want to call it. Um, I think it's like one of those cameras where it's it's a rare moment where it actually does feel like a company listened to what a lot of their consumers were asking for, and not even only their consumers, but consumers of other brands. So if you were someone that was shooting Canon or if you're shooting Panasonic or Fuji, whatever it is, uh, the requests that you had from that brand, so whatever you're loyal to, it, it seems like Sony answered those questions as well. And so I think that's what's interesting from my perspective. It's like I have no desire to buy that specific camera and I, it doesn't make me want to switch in any, in any regard. But what I am excited about is the impact it may have on the industry of like, well, what happens when you actually just do what people wanted, <laughs> right? Like what happens if all these people ask for full-size HDMI port, if they want 4K 120, if they don't want overheating, if they want in-body stabilization, if they want all these crazy things, flip-out screen, does it sell well? And it seems like this is absolutely going to sell well. And so if Canon looks at this or Fuji or Panasonic, they all look at it and being like, oh, we've always been worried that we're like going to cannibalize our cinema line and you know we're not going to make as much money because people will just buy this camera instead. Like, I think Sony has always gone at it being like, you know, a camera's a camera. If you're going to, if you need a cinema camera, you're going to buy a cinema camera. If you need a mirrorless, you're going to buy the mirrorless. And it doesn't seem to affect their overall lineup. It's like, if you need a Sony Venice and you're shooting for HBO, you're not going to buy an A7S III. So it's not really a problem. If you're on sets where you need XLR imp inputs and you need like a cinema camera, you're probably going to buy an FX9. So it doesn't impact it if someone else wants to get an A7S III, right? Um, and so it's like everyone's seeking this perfect camera. And like you said, Aaron, it's like it's a really good video camera. I would I would probably agree that it's like an OK, if not like slightly passable photo camera. Like it's not something I would recommend to somebody if they're like doing large prints or they want to do crazy stuff. But if you're just doing social media content, even if you're doing it for clients, I think it's totally fine. Um, I have a lot of cameras that are only 12 megapixels and I don't have any issues with them. Um, but I think like it's just I want to see how Canon responds now. I want to see how Panasonic responds now. Uh, I'm not excited about the camera. I'm excited about the impact that the camera has on the industry because I think the A7S II had a very similar impact where it like awoken, awoken everybody up to be like, oh shit, we got to step up our game here because now there's this camera out here that everybody fucking wants, right? Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, it's it's a, a bit of a... What I like the most about the direction they're taking, I mean, honestly, they've been pretty consistent in the direction that they haven't taken taking over the past... Well, I don't know when the first A7 released, but basically ever since they started that Alpha series, they've been very consistent into splitting it into categories. There's the R series if you're dedicated to photography. There's the S series if you're dedicated to video. And then there's the regular, like the A7, A7 II, A7 and hopefully upcoming A7 IV, if you are really a hybrid shooter and you're doing a little bit, little bit of both. They're not trying to be a jack of all trades and master of none they're trying to be a master of one trade with capabilities for the other whereas when we look at the canon r5 and r6 that were announced two weeks ago as well 
they kind of seemed to be trying to be a master of all. And they were very, very loud with their spec sheets saying like 8K, 30P or whatever, uh, 4K ridiculousness. Um, and then as people started getting the cameras into their hands and started playing around with them, they stumbled across all these limitations, overheating being the main one, um, all overall ease of use issues, things like that. And they kind of did the exact opposite of what Sony has been doing. And like this release of the A7S3 is really just hammering down that or hammering home that point of, of like commit to something and make the best product you can in that specific niche. Uh, and that's what people have been asking for. I mean, I'll be honest, up until the, <laughs> honestly, up until uh, I think Maddie Poyas and Gerald and Dunn's videos like on the A7S3, I was not at all excited about it. I like, I've always considered myself a hybrid shooter. I've mainly done photography uh, and I'm just now getting more and more into video. But ever since playing around with a Sony FS5, which is a uh, cinema camera, uh, I kind of fell in love with that form factor. And I figured, okay, if I want to do video, I'll just hop on that uh, line of cinema cameras because that's so much more convenient. But then I watched what they were doing with it. And like my entire mindset shifted. Like, wait, you can do so much with such a tiny little camera. And if you want to rig it out as a cinema camera, you can do that. If you want to just hop around and shoot cool video uh, with a uh, form factor, you can literally fit into any backpack. You can also do that. And that kind of opens up so many possibilities. And that got me excited again for something that on paper does not look exciting at all. But it's like you said, they're just doing what people have been asking for. They are literally listening to customers and just giving them what they want and making the best product they can uh, in that specific niche. And honestly, I hope that that mindset is going to spill over into other camera brands and how they've been approaching this business. I mean, I, I pitched this a few few days ago, I think, to Patrick as well. Like, what if Fujifilm, because we all know Patrick loves his Fujifilm, what if Fujifilm were to come out with a cinema camera? Because the X-T4 does great video, uh, but the, the form factor of a mirrorless camera has never been ideal for a video. But what if someone were to create something like a Z-cam style uh, cinema camera, but with the technology of a Fujifilm and get all those colors and uh, their pretty image? I'm sure people would love that. Uh, and it would you know, bring more options out on the market that are dedicated to a certain niche and that are not just there uh, because they're trying to do everything. I think... Um butting in a little bit to what you were saying as, as well before is I think the, this release specifically speaks to uh, Sony's kind of maturity in the scene of mirrorless and knowing their consumers a little bit more like something that I'm most excited about as someone that had the Sony a7s2 and was using it ever since um, is the fact that they went from 8-bit to 10-bit right um, and it's something that like is really you you can feel it once you start to push the colors like for me it was like i had to get most of my stuff in i mean like i could color grade a little bit right but you couldn't you can't really push too much and then they're like okay in the a7s3 they're like all right we're gonna get 10 bit we're gonna get four to do we're gonna get better uh bit rate uh and they kind of really focused on that like i'm sure like i'm like the 120 and 4k and all that stuff is great but to me like the big things are like the higher bit rates and all that other stuff whereas canon it felt like hey we're gonna go with 8k 
And I don't know too many people that are like, oh, finally, 8K, now it can actually shoot, right? Uh, it's It seemed like they're just going for something big and uh, hoping that p- their kind of consumer base kind of loves it rather than being like, oh, this is what our kind of consumer base wants. wants. And it's something interesting that like... Um, that a few other creators, uh, specifically Gerald and Sarah, recently posted like a whole podcast where there's going on the A7S2. But it was like, yeah, it's like very much uh, Sony and Canon's rever- like roles have been kind of reversed, where it's like now Sony is kind of like they know it seems like they know their audience a lot better uh, than Canon knows theirs. Canon feels like Canon is very much uh, new to the game, right? Like it's been what one round of ca- camera lineups for them for the mirrorless and now it's their second um so i mean i mean for me uh even as someone that used the sony like i'm just hoping that like canon uh has a firmware release where all of a sudden like their camera doesn't overheat anymore and they can shoot more than 30 minutes because competition kind of breeds better cameras like all of a sudden if both canon and sony are very plausible then the next fuji film camera release is probably going to be just as good the next black magic is going to be even better right like it it is a very real thing where it's like uh having great cameras forces companies to just make even better products right um yeah yeah going off of that um, I just wanted to just like say as the Canon shooter, it's just like, um, and have been a Canon user for about a decade now. Um, Canon's been around the camera scene for decades, um, relatively new, um, in the mirrorless scene, but it seems like in terms of like given the history of Canon, Canon's been mostly focused on their cinema line. And cinema line only and it's only until like these past few years um canon has finally listened to the consumer base when it comes to more of the consumer and prosumer lines that they have and somewhat listening to their consumers um when it comes to features that we want to hear now i think um canon actually wanted to try to outdo themselves with the r5 um i i guess that like they tried to overdo it with 8k nobody was really asking for 8k if we just had like the 4k 120 that would have been fine but um it seems like canon wants to be a little bit more in touch with the um trying to grab more of that consumer prosumer market and it's, it seems like they're now finally listening to us as opposed to um let's say a decade ago when they were just mostly focused on their cinema line. And I just want to add that. Yeah. I guess like the, the, the PR nightmare is them having to now backtrack a little bit, right? Cause it's like, I know Canon rumors posted that they had a little bit of an inside scoop that either a firmware update is coming or some sort of hardware fix might even be coming um, for the R5 and R6 with the heat thing. I think they had all of the best intentions with those two cameras. Like I, they didn't go at it being like, we want to make a camera that pisses people off. That doesn't make sense. Like, like you said, like Canon has like years and years of camera uh, experience. They've been doing this forever and they also still dominate the global market share. So it's like as much as our bubble feels like people are switching to Fuji or Panasonic or whatever, they still dominate sales like overseas everywhere. Um, they're usually always number one in terms of mirrorless, whatever it may be. And you, you, they are relatively even new to the mirrorless market itself. But it's like it's hard to ignore 
like the limitations in the video side with the R5 and R6. If they came with those cameras and just said these are like wicked photo cameras with some like, you know, solid video features here and there, it's not really supposed to be a full-blown like video camera. I think those cameras would have been fine and the perception would have been fine about them too. I'm sure people would have been disappointed that they didn't have the video features that maybe they wanted, but they wouldn't have been so overhyped before the release because like Canon went at it saying like, oh, it's an 8K camera and everyone's like going crazy. Like, holy shit, the first 8K cinema or uh, 8K mirrorless camera. And so everybody had this like high, high expectation. It was like almost impossible for me to live up to it. But that being said, I do think the heating thing is a legitimate issue because it clearly it's affecting everybody that's had one of these these units to review so far. And so if they fix it, I think the R5 and the R6 are fantastic cameras. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. Canon's always made great cameras. Um, Absolutely. I, I but feel I think, like... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so I got a bit of a bone to pick with the R5, not necessarily for the overheating, because that's like overheating in a sense is just physics, right? Okay, these processors, when they have to deal with all this data coming through and all these electrons surging through the circuits, they're going to produce heat and they have to manage that. So I don't necessarily have a problem with the fact that they overheat because every camera overheats. And I've is seen people do like... Issue? Yeah, I mean, I've seen people do tests where they like put cameras side by side in the sun and they all overheat them like yeah of course they're all gonna overheat if you put them in a situation like that my main issue with the whole r5 r6 <laughs> nightmare uh if you will is that they just marketed it completely wrong they tried to market the eos r5 as a stellar video camera with incredible video specs but it's not it's a photo camera that can produce decent video and it has features like 8K and 6K that you might be able to put to use for a couple of minutes. Like, let's say if you really want to get something in 8K because it, it looks that cool. Okay, you can grab it for a few minutes, but it's not a usable workhorse camera that you can just record in 8K in its entirety. And that's what it was made to, out to be. And now that people have seen, like, you cannot use this in a production environment. Like, hell, even, what's his name, uh, Armando... Uh, put out a video where they took it on like a whole production set and recreated like these these uh, scenes from films or something like that. Uh, and <laughs> like Armando is known to be very much uh, in line with like the Canon ecosystem. He's a big, big supporter of them. And he was not holding back. He's like saying this is unusable in a situation like this. Like we could not record anything in AK because it would just overheat. Um, and that, the, the way they put it out Inter and like the way it actually came out it's just they're so misaligned and i feel like that is the core problem because it's a camera that has like a 40 megapixel uh sensor which means it's going to be fantastic for photos but i have not heard anyone talk about the photo capabilities i remember when the sony a9 came out uh it basically revolutionized a lot of uh work for i believe sports photographers in the way that it handled uh, like readout speeds and they could do like 20 frames per second uh, full readout raw photography um, which was amazing at the time for like sports photographers in particular um, and I feel like the R5 probably has some features like that hidden like <laughs> or somewhere under its belt but no one's talking about them because they didn't talk about them themselves they were just so focused uh, in pushing the the video narrative and the fact that I spun it that way and that just blew back in their own faces, that's what I have an issue with because I have absolutely no doubt that the R5 is an incredible camera. It's, it has to be an amazing piece of technology. I mean, it's 2020. Everything that's released is amazing. 
I'm shooting on a Sony a7 Mark II, which is an ancient camera. So for me, literally everything is an upgrade. But the way they speak about these products and the way they portray these new feature sets and only then to have them not align with what they actually are like when you put them to use, that I feel like is the fundamental issue that we're seeing play out here. Sony pulled a smart one in that sense where they didn't try to sell us on features that weren't uh, practical and you couldn't really put to use in long-term scenarios or whatever. They just gave us what we needed. They gave us what we were asking for. And that is it. They met our expectations perfectly, which a lot of people actually like didn't expect at this point because it had been taking five years. Uh, but like that change or like that difference in like the way they approach and market these products, those show like the, the fundamental problem uh, that we've been dealing with. One very important thing to consider here is that Sony did something that I I think we all expect from all the companies. Many YouTubers said uh, that they already got the A7S3 that Sony finally listened. So, in my opinion, it's the first company that hears the users and actually gave exactly what all the videos, if you remember for the past five years, okay, that was uh, becoming like a joke if, if the F-A7S3 is going to come out. Uh, we saw a lot of videos that they were saying what I would like it to have. So 4K 120, everybody was talking about it. Flip out screen, everybody was talking about it. No overheating problems, everybody was talking about it. Uh, more pixel density. Everybody was talking about it. I don't want it to be more than 12 megapixels because I'm going to lose the low light capabilities. Everybody was talking about it. So she did exactly what everybody was asking to. And this is something that if companies continue to listen to the audience, it's like Fujifilm, for example. Can you imagine what um, right now uh, Aaron said? right? That Fujifilm is going to create a cinema camera and removes all the profiles, all the Fuji profiles from it, because it's going to be a Fuji, you know, cinema camera. Everybody's going to be like, why did you destroy the colors, for example? And for the Canon, exactly what Aaron again said is that I have a friend who ordered the R5 here in Greece, and he's a photographer, right? And I was like, Hey, dude, don't buy it. It's overheating. And he was like, I'm taking pictures with it. You know, like, I don't care about the video. I'm a photographer. So I'm buying it because I like the color science. And this is also a very good point that we didn't hear about it. Even Peter McKinnon, who is uh, mainly a photographer, he was talking about the videos <laughs> on his videos. And that's something that amazed me. A7S3 is a classic video camera. And First of all, I pre-ordered it because <laughs> I was waiting for the right full-frame camera, but but I have in the back of my head that the A7 IV is coming. <laughs> I don't want to start again the same game, like, okay, and what the A7 IV is going to have, but if they listen again to the audience and they give the flip-out screen and they give the 4K60, not the 4K120, and they have it on 2000 bucks budget, this is going to be a win-win for a lot of us. I think uh, something interesting to think about then is Sony does uh, 
I mean, a lot of cameras do this thing, right? Where uh, we were talking about it before, where uh, they'll have like, they'll remove some features that other cameras have. Uh, and I think, and I just hope that like when when the A7 IV comes out, um, that they don't do that because they're like, hey, buy the A7S three, right? Because the A7S three, unlike their other lineups, was one where they're like, okay, we need to, this is like our A-tier camera because we're going to wait for this. We're going to try to get it right. Uh, they released the A7 the a7 III, then the a they released like a whole bunch of other cameras and we're, everyone's like okay where is this camera and it seemed to me like they're like okay we're gonna get this right and what that could also mean is that then they try to take features away from like uh the a7 IV, whether it's like a flip out screen or whether it's like something else and i just hope that's not the case right because they've kind of set this kind of precedent now uh where they're like okay we listen to the people um now everyone's just hoping okay well let's just kind of keep on this track uh but yeah like uh, honestly i'm just i'm i'm on, on the boat where like i'm leaning towards a7s3 but uh i'm just waiting for canon to pick up their game so that the next line line of cameras are all better uh i just want great cameras for everyone when you have your hand up i'd like to, if you want to go go ahead uh no you can go ahead we got to introduce. Yeah, I think uh, John just joined us. John is a longtime Thirsty Thursday. What is it? Listen, it's not listener. What'd you say? Host? Veteran. We host? What are we? Veteran. Speakers? Speakers? Yeah, speakers. Good. I like that one. Yeah. Good one. John, do you want to go ahead and uh, let everybody remind everybody, actually, uh, how you sound? Yeah, let me remind you guys who I am. It's like you guys need a clear reminder. Right? Wow. My name is John. I am one of the founding members, members. of this damn podcast, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Hey, guys, I'm back. Good to, good to be here with you all again in a recorded version. So, But continue, please. I don't know where we were at, so I'm playing catch-up. Something, something. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry now, but John mentioned something that I think we need to have it here on the podcast. Like he said, back to a recording podcast, right? Because what the don't, audience don't, don't doesn't, push yeah, don't what push it, Amelia? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> what the audience don't know is that um, we're not gathering for the first time until the last episode. Okay, we have private moments as well, and we don't record everything. <laughs> Yeah, we like to keep those private. I mean, that's, that's exactly. the whole point. <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying that it's not after, uh, you know, like uh, four years that we met up. What just for 99, Discord, you can also explore. Yeah, if you want to join those uh, those private conversations, you can uh, <laughs> join us on you Discord. You can be a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> you, need to, this podcast. you need to say yeah. the secret code. The secret it's, for, code. it's just for 9.99. You, you two can join in on the private moments. <laughs> I feel um, bad for anybody that joins us. I don't love how all of anybody. Uh, Sorry. Talk. Nah, but uh, going back to the conversation where we were talking about the Sony cameras, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. And when I say that um, with the A7S III, um, I would say Sony did the bare minimum when it came to the features. Uh, that came out for the A7S 3 I was actually expecting a little bit more when it came out. Um, but they, I, I would say they did the bare minimum of listening to their consumer base and just delivering on those features and those features alone. I'm very uh, curious what yeah. you would expect yeah. them 
like to do on top of this? 16k. 16 million. <laughs> a fun, a, a complete fun on top no, of it. <laughs> because I, no, I think that that's an interesting thing, right? Because I think that uh, it goes into my conversation of uh, Canon being a little bit newer in the mirrorless scene, right? Like I, I, I know like a bunch of the film, like the cinematographers and the DPs that I work with, they, a lot of them have Canon, uh, like this, the C300, the C200. Uh, and so they make incredible cameras, incredible cine cameras, right? But when we're talking about the mirrorless, I think that a big part of it is uh, because it's it's uh it's it's a slightly bigger consumer base right so you like to understand exactly what they need right and i think that part of what the sony a7s3 did was they realized that it's a small camera so you can't deliver a reliably too much more right like you can't do 8k without at some point either having some black magic in there or it overheating right um and, uh, with with what the technology is today right unless you give like a much bigger body like you can't have a compact small camera like that so they did like like even their raw right like you can get raw but what they assumed is hey if you're gonna go for raw you'll likely have an external recorder so they gave the raw i think they're doing like 16 bit but i don't know how much of that is real world uh i didn't go into that too much but but yeah like i think that part of what they did really well is no where is what's plausible and what's usable like the usability of the camera for for you to be able to just like i don't know i was thinking about it even for like video podcasts and stuff and or like interviews and all that stuff it's like you're you're not worried if you're just putting that camera there and starting an interview up for like for like an hour or an hour and a half and running it on 4, 4K and uh, whatever their their higher bit rate is, right? Whereas Cam, uh, whereas Canon, which did go for like these high end features, which like the 8K, but all of a sudden, if you're focusing on video features at all, right? But you can't do the the daily essentials. It's like what good is that uh, higher higher resolution for other than just you know we're shooting it for thirty minutes? But the other thing comes in uh, comes to is that if you are shooting it like eight K or whatever you're you're shooting on their high end uh, features, um, and it does start to overheat, you can't even take photos, right? Like that was one of the things is like the camera needs to shut down, right? So it it comes to a thing of right. I think that um, the, when the company truly understands what they can do then like what their sandbox kind of is then they can truly um uh explore like features that like really work because usability is probably one of the things that are like the most underrated part of the camera it's uh how how usable is it in the real world right and how much do you have to start to worry about like small things right whether uh whatever it is it kind of, I mean, not to bring it into a whole nother war of mm -hmm. technology, but it does kind of remind me of like an Apple Android type situation where mm -hmm. like Apple will remove a headphone jack or a home button or whatever it may be that people get pissed off about. And maybe for like power users and stuff, it's kind of annoying. It doesn't have the options or the feature set that you'd want. You can't customize it. All, all that, just that shit, right? Um, but sometimes they need to do those things to innovate, to move forward. So there's an argument to be made that like an R5, R6 camera, maybe more specifically the R5 is uh, another industry shifting camera because they took the risks to put a feature in that maybe isn't fully fledged baked yet, but they kind of had to get it out 
to push the technology forward to to say that it's even possible that a camera has to go out like that, that a camera had to come out like that and it's like there's an argument to made that there's something very interesting in that aspect of it but i agree with everything that everybody's saying in this chat that like the the usability standpoint of it from a professional point of view like i could never risk having a camera that could crap out on me 35 minutes to an, to an hour into it and then i gotta have a down period for it to cool down because the whole day's shot at that point like i've never like literally been on a shoot that's ever gone um, only an hour. That just doesn't happen. Every shoot is is a full day, right? Or if, if anything, a half day, right? It's like not something I could reliably use, even if I only shot weddings, if I only shot corporate, like there's no use case scenario for a camera that only lasts an hour or two before and, it's completely useless. Yeah, 100%. And that kind of brings them to something that I experienced recently with uh, uh, when I borrowed uh, Patrick's uh, Blackmagic 4K, which we were shooting indoors, right? But if we were shooting outdoors, that camera would have been very tough to use because of the batteries, right? Um, like we didn't have a whole V-mount system, and I'm sure you, you can rig that out. But uh, but that's like a very small thing, right? Where it's like uh, we, we we started using batteries, and then, and then like an hour in, we're like, no, we got to keep this thing plugged in the whole time because that would have wasted way too much time it's like small things like that that like uh make it 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 seems small right it's like oh you can shoot 30 minutes right but you can shoot 30 minutes what if you just like wait it's like no but in like a professional setting um you you can't waste time like that it's like the camera just doesn't it's not usable anymore um yeah yeah so going back to that with recording limits and heating issues we've been down this road before with previous iterations of cameras so this is nothing new and like you know what the recording limits are for certain cameras like if i were on a set knowing that the recording limits for the r5 um is essentially only limited to 30 minutes i wouldn't get an r5 i would just use this uh cinema line type of camera that lasts longer and it's has the same features. Um, so it's like with that, I think as Patrick mentioned, I think Canon just went uh, in that direction when it came to just um, building out these features for a prosumer type camera just to um, push the technology along to see if it's actually capable. And I guess that like with its next iteration of the R5 and the R6, you would have something that either maybe be a longer recording time or it'll be no recording time, like no recording limits whatsoever. I mean, yeah, on that, that note, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Uh, on that note, I question whether or not eight, like just the 8k resolution in and of itself is pushing technology forward. Cause in my mind, at least 8K is just resolution. It's just more detail, but it's not necessarily a game-changing format standard. And Aaron, to add on to that, it's like with people trying to say that 4K is the new standard, most of the videos are viewed on like mobile phones. So it's like... Yeah, and those don't, some of like those don't 4K even do 4K is also not really... Right. Like 4K but here's what, here's what I was going to get at, actually. In my mind, what is pushing technology is what Blackmagic is doing with their Ursa G2 Pro. It is a 12K sensor. And when that announcement, uh, like the rumor started brewing or whatever, and people literally saw like 12K, people started getting very focused on the 12K. And for the first like couple of days, the only thing that a lot of people were talking about was the 12K. And that's because we were living in a... 
in a week or so where people were talking about the R5's 8K and 6K and, and oversampling 4K, and it was all about the case. But what no one really was talking about until a couple of days after the announcement for the uh, Black Magic was the 12K in and of itself wasn't a big deal. The 12K was just a number reflecting the amount, like the literally like the pixel density of the sensor. But the sensor in and of itself was a completely redesigned sensor. The way it captures light, the way it produces images is completely different. And not to get too detailed in uh, on this, but basically uh, pretty much every camera sensor out there records for every pixel, there's one red channel, two green channels, and one blue channel, and that's what records color. And the way this new Blackmagic sensor uh, records is there's equal uh, amounts of pixels for every single color channel. So there's two reds, two greens, two blues, but there's also six whites, which means you have 12 channels uh, for every pixel, and these altogether contribute to a completely new kind of color depth and color accuracy in a in a camera sensor. No one was talking about that, but I feel like that is pushing technology forward, not just slapping on more resolutions. Sa- same way, like when we're talking about photography, I do not give a single crap about megapixels. If it's 24 or more, I am happy, but I don't need anything more than that. I don't need 40 megapixels. Hell, when Sony released the A7R4 and it had like 62 megapixels, like I was just rolling around like, why? Literally no one asked ask for this. If you put your photos up on a billboard next to the highway, you can put up a photo that you took on your phone that's like, I don't know, 8 megapixels, and it'll still look like a banger because there's so much more that goes into that, right? It's not just about the megapixels. So it's like, so- I feel like we need to stop focusing on big numbers and if we're talking about pushing technology we should be more focusing on like what are actual like meaningful changes that we can make that will drive this creative space of photography videography you name it it'll push that space like in its entirety forward and i feel like completely redesigning a sensor like black magic is doing that is something that i could foresee having a big impact on this sphere. Yeah, I, I, I do think that there is a there is a there is a user base for high mega megapixel shooters. Uh like people like uh animal shooters and bird watch bird shooters and stuff like that. And a lot of those people like they'll sh- they'll shoot uh, a lot of those uh birds and then they'll need to like zoom in a lot, right? Um and so there is there is like user bases that that can really use the high megapixel counts. And when you're really going up to that high level of like pricing um you're going into a niche market anyways right like your your average consumer isn't gonna buy like a five grand product right um it kind of comes back to like uh, like both the a7s3 and the canon r5 right like like as much as i'm sure like the youtuber is gonna buy it right um they're buying it for the fun like a lot of it are buying it for the fun of it like that product is going to be bought by like like professionals in a sense right because no average consumer is going to shell out five grand for for a camera to just shoot like videos right um so then uh yeah like so i do think that there is a place for that i do i do uh agree somewhat with with the with the ak argument i i think that what it does more to say is um push push 4k even more in the forefront right um i so i agree with somewhat of that argument uh i like aaron's 
12k comment in a little bit more but yeah like i i do still think that um unless canon was like hey we're just gonna try to push uh technology further right i think that they really need a big firmware update that changes a lot of things otherwise this camera's just not usable um and that's coming from someone that's like oh maybe i want to get the r5 maybe because i mean i as much as i use the a7s2 i sold my lenses so i'm kind of fresh right i'm i'm i've been looking for a camera to buy and so i'm like very much of like the thing where i'm like okay which one which one should i get if i'm getting one of these and i would have loved to sorry i would have, i would have loved to grab the r5 um it's just not usable right now for me kevin you got your hand up yeah um i just wanted to touch on the um the asp or the resolution thing i think it it's obviously fun to like pick at pick at the the eight k or the twelve k stuff on Twitter and stuff like that. But I think about it and like we all just watched like the Michael Jordan documentary and saw the footage from back in the nineties and the early two thousands that had to be remastered. And we've all seen like the YouTube videos um, of like sports events from the early two thousands, and like we can't believe that that's how we used to watch stuff. It used to be like standard definition six forty by four eighty or whatever, and um, do I think like 8K, like we can say like our phones can't even watch 4K right now um, and 8K and 12K might not be um, necessary, but who's to say in 20 years that 4K won't be the new like standard definition? You know what I mean? And I think it's it's like aside from like some of the other features that they could have put, I think like everybody focusing on like, oh, we don't need 8K, we don't need 12K is sometimes just like kind of unnecessary because eventually you know, 15, 20, 25 years, um, having, having that resolution, um, w- might be necessary, you know what I mean? And having that footage from now be relevant then because we had those features now. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I just think it's kind of like overkill to just yeah, pick for those sure. couple things to just bash the whole time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, like, I can make a use case scenario for 8k. Like we finished most client work in 4k. So like having an 8k source, it would be nice to have, cause we do a lot of reframing. We do a lot of crop. And even if client ends up pushing it out on social media for it's just an HD, we finish in 4k. We want that highest quality possible. Right. So I could make a use case scenario for saying, okay, let's shoot it in 8k. I've shot 8k on reds before. And then, you know, I'll put HD even, but in the context of the R5, it doesn't make sense because the workflow doesn't exist for our 8k because the camera won't allow you to capture whatever you needed in 8k. So like, I struggle to even understand aside from it being a really kick-ass marketing spec on a, on a webpage, cause it looks cool to see that it's 8k. I can't find that same context that I'm saying now where like, yeah, we'll finish in 4K because we shot in 8K because like Armando said in his video, it's unusable, right? So unless you just are some super, super niche like VFX shooter who's in a very controlled studio environment where you can only need to shoot like half an hour or something like that of footage of just whatever you need for VFX plates in 8K because, you know, I know Netflix has like a 6K minimum for most of their VFX. So there's like a place for that in the in the industry. And if it is satisfied by this like four or $5,000 camera that will be a niche use case for VFX houses because they need 8K to, to do their VFX, sure. But that's not who they're marketing this camera to. They're marketing it to people like us who run around Vancouver shooting photos of mountains and shit and taking videos, you know what I mean? So it's like, what is what is that 8K for for this segment in this, in this marketing demographic, right? That's where I struggle with the whole release because it just seems like so fragmented all over the place. Is it just a really good mirrorless photo camera? 
or is it an 8K camera that they're trying to market it as a video camera? Because clearly it's it's just, I don't, even the, they, they have the audacity to put together that like sheet telling you like how long you can film for and then they tell you how to use it. So it'd be like, okay, if you're shooting an 8K, it shoots for like 20 minutes. This is good for short clips. But what the hell does that, what short, short clips of what, right? Like, why are you doing it in 8K? And then it's like, oh, if you want to shoot longer interviews, okay, do it in HD or do it in the regular, like non, non high quality 4K mode, right? It's, they're actually have to like dictate the user case scenario, which is so bizarre to me because it's like, I don't want to be like held back by the features and the frame rates of my camera. I just want to pick it up, put it into whatever resolution I need in the frame rate. And I just film. Like even even cameras that I only have 30 minute limits just for the SD card, like it won't overheat. That annoys me just in itself. Like even for YouTube, it's something as simple as that. If the camera has 30 minute limit, I'm pissed off. And imagine on top of that, then add in the overheating and all the other crap that comes with that camera. I just I I'm having a really hard time selling it uh, of why you would purchase that camera if video is remotely important to you. That's that's my struggle with the R5. I guess you yeah. can make an easier case for the R6, but that's where I fall apart. I think um, it- with the R5. I think it kind of it comes back to a conversation we were having, I think it was last week or something, where at the end of the day, the most important thing is that the gear you have inspires you, right? Uh, I know you talked about this a lot with your Fuji cameras. Like They make you want to go out and shoot things, and it's like a different experience from just snapping photos on your phone or snapping photos on a Fuji. Like When you have that rangefinder style camera in your hands the the workflow is different the way you treat that object is different and the way it makes you shoot is different it inspires you in a certain way it, it invokes creativity and that's what i also feel like when it comes to these cameras it doesn't matter at the end of the day what the spec sheet is like if it doesn't inspire you if it doesn't make you want to create if it doesn't make you want to make the most or get the most out of this object that you can because you just have that craving and you have that just innate desire to make something with your tools, then it actually falls short. I, I was watching uh, one of Potato Jet's videos from last year where he was just uh, picking up like an Ari Alexa or whatever and just toying around with that and just showing how effortless it was to shoot with that. Uh, I think it was an Alexa, uh, Ari Alexa Mini LF that was fairly new at the time, I think. And it was just... He didn't have to color grade it. He didn't have to do anything with it. It was literally pointing and shooting, but the act in and of itself produced something that was inspiring. And for me, the A7S3 is something that I could see as being a similar product where I was watching, I think it's Cinema 5D's uh, recent video on it where he made a mini documentary just to showcase what it looks like, what it can do. And seeing that footage, I was just drooling like, oh my goodness, that looks amazing. And it's just in a tiny compact body that I can throw into my camera and I can make whatever I want, wherever I want it. And it's going to look incredible. That's like one of yeah. my biggest frustrations with my own camera. It's like, it's, I- it's, it's fantastic for photo, but not for video like that. And that like gear, that piece of gear, if that inspires you in a way that camera did in that brief little video, uh, like imagine what it could do when you have it in your hands can i ask you something absolutely the the r5 uh what is the limits of the seconds on the 8k before it overheats uh i think the 8k is only like half an hour or so right it's it's advertised as 30 minutes but i don't think anyone has actually been able to record yeah yeah. i mean uh you mentioned armado he was like after how many seconds or uh madi hapoya said that it's overheating i think it's a couple minutes or something like that okay so the new title for the R5, 
the perfect 8K camera for your TikTok videos. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> See, they but should like, have hired like, Emilio to do their marketing. To, to do the marketing, yeah. But like Aaron, like uh, with Cinema 5D, they, he also made a mini doc with the R6. And he was like apologizing to the, the subjects of the documentary because he couldn't film what he wanted to film because the camera just True. stopped working for him. Like you could see like the sadness in his face when he was like so excited about that story that he was telling, but then only to have his camera fail on him. I was just like, that was the, that was my biggest fear when I read everything that was happening in, in the rumors of like it overheating. It was just like, I could just imagine being on set shooting something and I'm super hyped on and everything's going really great. And then all of a sudden my camera just stops working and I'm, and I'm screwed. Right. And it's like, he even says like, what are you going to do? Throw ice cubes on it? Like, how do you tell your client? Like, oh, sorry for a second. I just got to, like, I need a 10 minute cool down period for my camera. They're like, who is this guy? Get out of here. We should, why'd we hire this person? That, that, that reminds me of the, I saw the, saw the one product that I think Telta released where it was like, it was like an attachment and it was like a fan. A I don't fan, know why. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> made me laugh a lot. Oh man. Brilliant. Kevin, oh, they got it. They, Kevin, yeah. and, Kevin and Patrick has the fan already. <laughs> you know what a f- funny thing though um in armando's video they were like they brought ice packs they brought a full-on leaf blower to try and cool the camera down and then they still couldn't do it so even if a product like a tiny little screw-on fan for your camera it wouldn't even work like the entire camera is just yeah it's, it's designed like, I almost, to be like, I almost think it's a joke yeah yeah isabel would... you got your hand up yeah i was kind of just like uh to go off what you were saying earlier but also Aaron's just like because like said I don't really understand like the specs or kind of not care but like I just haven't really looked with like my own camera is one that's just like very very beginner and kind of like the was the basic youtuber camera at the time when I got it and it's just like with the r5 like when it came out I was just like why my honestly with the question was like was why like needing the 8k for someone like me for example who yeah I do client work but also just like kind of videos for myself it just doesn't seem worth it in any way from what I've seen but then I see the Sony cam cameras that have now come out and just like the those ones seem much more almost worthwhile and I'm like do I switch to so no I don't know what I'm saying now anymore I'm too tired and hot, sorry. But basically my point is just like, I feel like, yeah, that Sony has like taken what cons- what uh, people like kind of us like actually need and want from a camera and have actually now made a camera. And I'm like, that actually seems like something that I kind of want, but also do not have any sort of money for. So I just like look at the pretty footage that others have done and just dream about it. But yeah, and kind of off of what, Aaron said of just like creating with what you have like I that's what I have been doing and I just feel like that's how you're a creator if you can create using what you have even like an iPhone like that's how you are a creator not based on what tools or gear you have and I think that's the most important yeah I think one of the most telling things was when um when Casey Neistat tweeted out how much he loved the A7S3, because like he's always been loyal to using like the 70D and then the 80D and everything, just because like not because it was 4K and because it wasn't, it only shot HD, but it was just basically the easiest camera for him to grab and start shooting because the autofocus was great. It always just worked. The battery life was nice. They're fairly rugged cameras, um, and the color's always been nice out of a Canon too. And it was just like really, in my opinion, it was like 
as someone who always like looked to Casey in the past for like, oh, I, I appreciate his recommendations on cameras because I always liked what he shot with. Um, and I bought cameras specifically that he had because I thought they were cool. Um, I thought it was really interesting that he was just like, this is the most perfect camera that I've ever used. Like that's, I think, a, be- a very glaring statement to make. Like it's a bold statement to make too. Um, but from someone like him, I just thought it, it spoke volumes in, in comparison to what Canon had come up with because I don't think he even talked about the R5 or R6 at all, right? And I don't know. It's like, it's a little, I don't know. It's it's a little bit sad for me because it's like, I really wanted the R5 and R6 to be the cameras we all wanted them to be because I was like kind of hyped to go back to Canon. I started on Canon. I loved Canon. Um, and they will always have like a special place in my like heart of creativity, I guess. Um, and I wanted it to be the camera that I was going to kind of maybe go back to and be like, oh, it's nice. I can go back to Canon now. I don't have to, you know, keep dabbling with all these other different brands or whatever. I can go back home basically. Um, but now it looks like I don't think that's happening just yet. And if it is, it's when I, you know, decide to go get a C200 or a C300, whatever that may be, um, that would be the switch. Right. And, you know, like you said, Isabella, the whole idea of like the camera doesn't even really freaking matter because we all know that everyone in this group knows that. Um, but I do think that you need to have the camera that inspires you the most to make the things you want to make. And like I have cameras that I've spent good money on that don't inspire me anymore. And so I don't use them. And then I'll buy a really crappy bad camera that inspires me like no other. And I make amazing work with it. And then you have people like John who just picks up his iPhone and makes stuff that looks better than I've seen from the R5 and R6 as, as it is. So it's like what you have is what is good and what you like is what you will make things with that are great. And it's not that you need to get caught up in all this kind of shit to begin with. But if you're going like brass tacks, like usability and all that kind of stuff, I do think Sony like knocked it out of the park. I do think they made a really, really great camera. If you asked me this two years ago, if you asked me this three months ago, I would have said I'd never, I'd never recommend a Sony camera. I've never liked them. Um, and so like that is a big turning point, I think, for the brand. And I'm sure the industry is feeling the same way. And I want to segue a little bit because uh, we talked a little bit about how you can shoot with your iPhone. And I just want to shout out John, who made a really awesome little B-roll piece with his new iPhone 11. You just got that phone, right, John? Yeah, I did. Because um, my ex, the uh, it broke a few days ago. So realize that. Treat, treat, treat yourself. Yeah, I mean, I just walked <laughs> in. I thought I was going to have to pay my, uh, my damage fee, like because the insurance, the replaceable fee or whatever it is. And they're like, no, you just pay $30 in taxes and here you go. I was like, okay, bet. Cool. So, um, yeah, I'm actually really impressed with the camera. They didn't have the Pro or the Max or whatever it is. I don't know how many new 11s there are, but this was the only one. So I took it because I needed a phone. And I'm actually really blown away with uh, the quality of the camera on this. You know, it's like, and when you're shooting in slow-mo and stuff like that, 120 or 240, obviously the more light, the better. Because it's like if you're shooting in like low light with uh you know, the, the iPhone 11 or whatever, it's just not going to look good in slow-mo. You're going to get so much noise. Um, but yeah, I love it, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. I just think it's like, we need those reminders every once in a while that like, why the hell are we talking about these $5,000 cameras and we have cameras in our pocket that we're not even utilizing to their maximum potential as it is. Yeah. I did that intentionally too, because it's like, you know, I've been talking about getting a B cam for a while. Is it the X-T3? Am I going to get the X-T4? Whatever it is before I ever upgrade my A cam. I was like, hold on, you know, let me, I got this new phone. Let me play around with a little bit, a little bit. And it's like, oh shit. Because it's like, one of my biggest things was if I have the GH5 in frame, it's the subject of my shot or, you know, I need that B cam. I was like, can this phone do that? Can the iPhone 11 or other comparable iPhones do that? And like, I quickly found the answer was yes. I've shot stuff on my iPhone before, like uh, more grainy, kind of like, you know, it, it looks like you're shooting on like an older film camera because I, I slap on a lot of grain on my iPhone footage when I'm trying to like make these little short cinematics. But for a clean image uh, as like a B-roll camera for YouTubers, 
honestly, this could even be your A cam uh, if you don't have a camera. Like, there really isn't an excuse anymore. I would never walk onto a set with my iPhone, obviously. Just, I wouldn't do that now, at least in this day and age. Um, But, dude, like, these cameras are fantastic. If anybody has one of the, like, newest iPhones, like, even from, like, a maybe an SC or up, um, you're sitting pretty. You're you're sitting really good on a, on a really good camera in your pocket, like honestly. And there's just no excuse for it at this point. Yeah, I did the same thing um, when I got my A7 III last week. I took the pictures that I put up on Twitter and Instagram with my phone because uh-huh. I was going to ask my friend if I could use his camera. And then I was like, "Fuck it!" Like Patrick, you always post iPhone f- shots and stuff on Twitter, so I was like, "I'll try the same thing." And I was like, crazy impressed with how clean everything turned out. Yeah, it's yeah cool. we, like it's it's easy to actually forget how good these cameras are until you like pull them up again. You're like, oh shit! Yeah, like, yeah. you forget because it it's like it's your phone, right? Like that, and it all goes back to shooting experience. Like I talked about that in the X100T video. It's like I'm not sitting there saying it's the best spec camera that's ever existed. It just feels good and it makes you inspired to shoot things. Like I shoot things with that camera that I don't shoot with other cameras, and maybe it's indescribable, and it's, it's and I know it's entirely psychological too. Um, but you can just get like you if someone that's like super Wayne, if you're like stoked on the R5 or the R6 and everything that's negative about it that anybody has said about it is completely irrelevant. If you pick up that camera and it's happy and you're happy and you're making beautiful things, fuck it. Who cares? Right. That's the perfect camera for you then. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I could I could I could easily pick up a Sony a7S three and be like, this is one of the most boring cameras I've ever hold. Yes, the image quality is great. Sure. It has no limitations. It's like the iPhone 11 Pro of cameras, which I think is like the most boring iPhone that's ever, ever been made, but it works and it's, it's great, but it doesn't inspire me in any capacity. Right. So I make boring shit with it. Like that's just the honest truth. Um, but that could easily happen with any camera. It's all in the one that you like and the one that you feel good with. Cause that's the one that you're going to make the best work with. Right. Yeah, definitely. Like, as you said, just like use what you have, like, I guess use what you have um, to make amazing content. For me, it's just like with Canon, I've been in the Canon ecosystem for a while now. So it's like, for me, no one is more harsher on Canon than I am. Um, so as I was like expecting this R5 to be the the perfect camera in terms of prosumer, um, but I had my gripes. I was thinking that like, oh, and I tweeted this out like months ago. I'm like, the specs seem too good to be true. And I literally said, if there's no recording limit issue, then the R5 is, was, I was actually going to buy it. But now I'm just going to wait, um, use what I have. Right now, I just have a uh, Canon T7, uh, T7i. And just going to use that along with my Google Pixel phone, which is still an amazing video camera and camera in general to take pictures and uh, enjoy from there. Absolutely. You're set, man. You don't have to worry about it. No, Nobody should be unless like here's the whole thing, too. It's like it, it all depends on the level of your career. It depends on your skill ability. It depends on where you want to go in this career. Like I had that I had a silly argument with somebody about like having to have a, a cinema camera to be taken seriously. And it's like I want that whole kind of thing to to end that whole stigma around like oh if your camera's small that means you're shitty it means absolutely nothing i've seen some of the best work ever on crappy cameras whatever you want to call them um and this whole thing of like optics on set yes it absolutely exists um there are gigs and there's jobs that will only hire like a cinema camera and there's some that listen to you and they listen to your ability and they see what you're capable of and they don't care what camera you use um because the final output is what absolutely matters right um 
but yeah, it's always going to be an exciting time for cameras. And the more crazy thing is around the corner, we have a whole bunch of new phones coming out too. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, like if this whole thing, we keep talking about resolution, like the, the negative thing is that the marketing teams of all these companies, they know they got to push resolution because for the people that don't know any better, they see that as an improvement. They see 8K, they see 12K, they see that as an improvement, right? And so we're probably going to see more 8K phones and more people are going to be talking about 8K as like, that's what defines quality, even though it doesn't at all. And I wouldn't be surprised if Apple doesn't pull 8K out of the next iPhone as well, just because they have to compete in that market now. Because if Samsung does it, they have to do it. And if, or if Google does it, they have to do it. Uh, and that's just the nature of the beast, right? Um, but hey, you can't buy a fucking bad camera now. So that's fun. I don't think you could buy a bad camera for the last like five years or so. Yeah. And that's that's like a really exciting time. And it, what makes it super challenging though is just figuring out what's the good camera for you. They're all great cameras, but what's the great camera specifically for you, right? That's that's yeah. kind of my that's kind of my dilemma right now. I've literally gone back and forth between like six cameras. And and Patrick, you know, because we've had like conversations at first, I'm like, all right, I'll grab the the black magic six K. And then Patrick's like, no, use the four K. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. And use the four K <laughs> and then do that. And then I'm like, hey, how's the XT three? And then I'm and then I'm like, hey, how's the XT four? And then I'm like, hey, what about the <laughs> someone's like get get the A seven A seven three? And then someone's like, no, get this. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. I just need like a I think there, I think you should get the A seven S three. I'm gonna throw that out there. I'm gonna <laughs> ease your mind. I think everyone unanimously can we all tell Kizzer he should probably just get the A seven S three. Is everybody with me on that <laughs> thank you but is, isn't that amazing though like what to piggyback off of those two things right there what just happened and what you said about and your now and uh, now john john sorry we start again kizer get the a7 4 oh <laughs> uh, repeat it oh yeah gosh. but it's like that's the landscape right so before we didn't really have a lot of these like arguments maybe with like photography cameras but now like with consumer level cameras the, the options are, there's so many right now, and that landscape is changing. So now it's like, it really is a lot harder. That's why even dating nowadays is harder than, like that book, Modern Romance by AZ Sansari. It's a really fascinating book. I'm going to put that plug in there. You can use my genius link to go buy it. But the thing is about that book, <laughs> <laughs> that, but it talked about like the limitations. Love dating, you, <laughs> the, the limitations in dating back in the day versus now. Now there's more options. People date now for fulfillment uh to feel alive they don't date for now for uh mon monetary purposes or traditional purposes so even now dating is harder than it was back then so like these things can, can be said about cameras like there's a lot more choices a lot more options and these pro quote-unquote level or these features are being brought to consumer level cameras that you can walk into a best buy or bh photo video and just scoop up for two to three k some some even under 2k right so when that landscape is changing it's gonna. There's gonna be some friction that goes against the grain of what our agencies and production companies used to. FS7s, all these other cameras, these pro level cameras or whatever they're called, easier workflows. It's changing. So it's like, do people, do agencies and uh, production companies expect those kind of cameras? And do you get hired on by that? Uh, the answer is like yes and no because I've been hired on without it. And I know people have rejected me because I don't have an Epic or an FS7 or whatever. But the thing is. Those times are changing and more and more as, as more of these cameras come out, that's not really going to be the case always. And people that only hire based off of certain cameras either are familiar with those cameras. Those are the ones they use in-house. Those are the ones that production companies and agencies have. So they prefer to work with people who are familiar with what they have. 
But I always thought that was kind of like a dump. It's just like, that's kind of stupid. Like why, like, like people are like married to the idea of like certain type of cameras, which I get the argument on both sides. But the thing is, it's like, you're not going to, you're not going to have doors closed on you if you don't have a easier workflow camera. You can, you can more than certainly get a gig with what you have, a black magic XT3, whatever it is, for example, Patrick on his Porsche shoot. I know you use the black magic. I don't know what else you use, but I've been on gigs where I've used the GH five. I've been on a recent gig with the cinematographer, really cool guy. He's got the FS five, but he was also using the a seven, um, R three or four. I can't remember which one it was, both of them. And he works with, you know, uh, artists and, you know, big people, big names all the time. And he gets contracted all the time, but not just for his FS five, but for his production value. Like, I don't really think people ask him what camera he uses for the most part. So it's like, I don't know. That landscape is changing. It's just one of those things where when that landscape changes and that gap closes a little more, there there will be friction. There will be the people that are used to using certain things and they're used to a certain environment and ecosystem. And then there's this new emerging landscape that's like, hey, we want to come play too. You know, it's like, let us in. So it's like that friction is going to happen a little bit. And then I feel like when it does, it'll be a little more blended. It won't be as like harsh against each other, rubbing, rubbing against the grain. It'll just be a little more accepted and um more and more companies are like hiring people out for that stuff man so i really just don't think it matters anymore it's like what are we even talking about you know it's like so i love the uh the comparison what are we talking dating. about <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you know why like here's the thing you brought that up and i kind of it made me think about like the whole idea of like having an ecosystem right and that's terminology that's very familiar in the whole apple versus android debate that patrick brought up earlier but I feel like nowadays it also kind of applies to um, cameras. Like you buy into specifically these days a mounting system, right? You buy into the E-mount, you buy into the RF mount, you buy into whatever. Um, the only one you don't really buy into or that still allows you flexibility is like either the EF mount, like old school Canon, or uh, the PL mount, which is industry standard for cinema cameras. Uh, but in like this prosumer consumer grain market with the r5 r6 a7 III, a7s3 all that you kind of commit to one thing and in a way i feel like that can actually be an advantage when it comes to decision making as well i mean patrick introduced me as the resident sony fanboy but one of the reasons why is because my first camera that got me back into photography was a sony i had a positive experience but I never really committed to anything up until the the, uh, the day that I got a uh, 16 and 35 G Master uh, lens, and I have that lens on a lease, so it's like it's a pretty much a finance plan, right? I pay like monthly for it. Because of that, I am locked into Sony for at least the foreseeable future. But that also makes my decision making process when it comes to navigating my way through all these incredible cameras that are available these days makes it a whole lot easier because my primary concern is can i use my favorite lens on this camera and if the answer is no then i don't care really um, so that's why i i've been using an fs5 for a video lately it's why the a7s3 excites me because it's an amazing camera that also works with the gear that i already have i don't have to switch and <laughs> i feel like this is kind of just aimed at uh, kids are then like when it comes to making a decision at one point you just have to commit to whatever you feel like looks nice and and will work for you and then just go for it and stop at that point you can stop worrying and start shooting because otherwise you'll be, just be stuck in this limbo where it's like well i need a camera 
but yeah 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 i don't know i also did want to just uh break go back to what uh john and patrick were saying as well because as someone that like like i mean what i kind of do is narrative films right and like usually and i'm i go through the process of hiring dps quite quite often and i mean now i'm kind of like i go between one and two but it's it's a very real thing where um usually from my experience anyone that's like stuck with just like oh you need like uh, they won't hire you unless you have like a high-end cinema camera are people that i usually most of the time don't know as much what they're talking about or they're very stuck on very small things like workflow right and if they're stuck on workflow and it's like a higher production the renting is a very real thing right like most of the shoots that i kind of go on uh the the bigger ones we're just renting an ari alexa uh or we or if it's a smaller one we're just shooting with whatever we got that's why like the black magic we had it because the dp was still waiting on a few big things for his um for his camera so we're like hey i have a black magic that i've been shooting on you want to just shoot on that and that's what we did um and it's a very real thing so if you if anyone's listening to this and is like worried about like oh am i going to be taken seriously no just just buy, buy the camera that like that whatever the camera is and do a couple of great shoots and if you're gonna if you're gonna get paid a little bit more you can always rent um for for anything bigger yeah that's true and you're right a, a lot of people do rent like i work with a lot of, i have worked with a lot of people that only rented um one of my friends is a very talented director he doesn't actually own any gear i was surprised to find that out i thought he had gear he was like no dude i don't have anything i was like how are you shooting on your stuff he's like i just work with people that have it or i rent it and i know for a fact based on his skill level and his like how much he works and how good he is he's going to be a really big director one day and it's like not everybody has gear not every filmmaker yeah. owns yeah. gear. You know, there are people that actually don't. There are filmmakers that are strictly just like producers and they're really good at business and connecting people and making the productions happen. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. yeah, like what you said there, it's like, that's true. That happens all the time. And, and you know, yeah. if you want the A7S III, get it. If you don't, don't get it. Um, will you come across some limit? The thing is your limitations of not having like a FS5, 7 or C500 Mark II are very limited, right? So it's like, if you want something to go, people are like, well, how am I going to get something on Netflix? Can you just hear what you just said real quick? How are you going to get something on Netflix? First of all, you could be shooting on an Ari Alexa and not get something on Netflix. It's not even down to like what camera qualifications are allowed to get you on there. It's about your narrative. It's about the story. There are, there are directors with names waiting to get on the Netflix roster. It's like, and people are like, how am I going to get on Netflix? It's like, who the fuck are you? What are you talking about? You know, it's like, like yeah, no, and even you if you fucking Instagram stories, what do you think? Yeah, yeah no, that's my else. thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just going to say this guy real quick so like yeah, i agree no, with you on that so no, yeah. like if you want the whoever wants that camera the a7s3 like fucking go for it and it's not really for everybody so i actually would not recommend it for everyone because it's like if you are new or you don't you don't have a lot of gear and you actually want to be a freelancer and stuff maybe maybe i wouldn't judge you i would probably sway you from getting that so that way if you are kind of fresh you could probably get something a lower end model that's awesome, but you could also buy some lights and audio and stuff because you're going to need that if you're going to be like a freelancer, right? But yeah. if you are the freelancer or the person that can afford an upgrade right now and you have lights, you have some audio, you have things to like get you a pretty smooth sailing production and you can go out there and you can um, confidently take on clients and know you're going to see the production through and deliver, then get that upgrade. That's fine. Um, so it's like it's so subjective 
Uh, it's it, There's no one size fit all. Get whatever the fuck you want. Shoot whatever you want to shoot on. Just do a good job. Focus on craft. Focus on improving your skill set. I don't care what you shoot. I'm, I'm not a brand-focused guy because I was first I was on Sony VHS. Then I was on Sony camcorder in my teens. Then I got the Canon T2i for about six years. And then the only reason I got the GH5 is because in 2017, for the budget that I wanted to spend and for the specs that I needed, in my opinion, that was the best option to the comparables. So that's why I got it. I'm not married to a brand. I don't care what the brand is. I go based off of what I need and what's going to get my job done and also the inspiration factor. So um, if that helps anyone, I hope so. But it's like, don't worry about that workflow. Don't worry about that. But what about Netflix? And I need to get on with these. It's like, dude, like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> I had I had like a I had a friend uh, a DP friend who had a, had a Red Dragon and at some point he told me he sold it and I'm like why'd you sell it He's like dude it was just like it, I was renting it out more than using it like any shoot I went on we were just we were just renting out stuff it was just like yeah. just sitting there just collecting dust and I'm like dude and yeah. it, that, that's that's not even like a A7 S2 S2 or S3 or A7 III it's a Red Dragon right yeah. so it, it it it's a very real thing um and again it, this so this very much this conversation very much depends on the town you're in and stuff like that like for sure i i, I live in i uh, i'm based in like toronto so like the toronto scene is like there's a lot more productions kind of happening and so most of these people have access to like renting cameras and stuff like that like if you're in a smaller town and there isn't as much happening then mm-hmm. the conversation is a little different right uh so yeah it does depend on yeah uh, Town to town, the con- but, the yeah. conversation is always different. It's always subjective, and I completely agree with you on that. You know, and it's like I'm pretty sure we can all find people with higher, quote unquote, pro level cameras. Um, you know, whatever they are, Reds and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure we can all find someone that shoots better, more, uh, like better content as far as like story and production value than people that shoot on like these ten, twenty thousand dollar cameras. I can find some. I can drop some names right now. So it's like you know, um. It, the conversation is just so different for each town you're in, each person you are, whatever the needs are. I just, I really don't like when it starts becoming like a one size fits all question because that's just not the case anymore. It's just not. It's exactly what uh, Mati Haboya said in uh, one of his latest videos that for people listening right now, it might be rough, but he said, if in this period okay july 2020 you can't have good footage you can't shoot good footage with any of the cameras that they're available out there you just suck so get a different job (laughs) harsh (laughs) harsh This is why you wanted to record to insult everyone. <laughs> Everybody, give up on your dreams. And yeah. it's such it's such a Get soothing voice. Throw too. the camera in the garbage. Well, yes. you know, to, to real quick to add to his point, one thing that I found fascinating about Einstein, I read it in Einstein's Cosmos, is that um, you know everybody knows who Einstein is. So I'm not going to give him his bio, <laughs> but who? Um, who? <laughs> um, but he worked at a patent office for a little bit, which I found very fascinating, and I heavily relate to stuff like that because he Einstein said. I want the most mundane job to pay my bills right now because I need to fantasize about the universe. So, like, 
my question for some people is to really have that conversation with themselves uh, because I, I, I really do want to see filmmakers or videographers or whatever you want to call yourself have that real conversation with yourself. Do you want to be a commercial or a freelancer? Do you want to work with agencies or do you want to strictly work with filmmaking? Because I have some friends that have never shot really any freelance projects for like commercial clients. They don't do agency work really. They've done a couple music videos and narrative. That's been their strict focus. They haven't done anything else. They don't go out like us buying gear and things like that to uh, you know make content for companies and agencies, whatever it is. So my question for like for people is like have that conversation with yourself. Like, what is it that you really want to do? Like, because it's like uh, there's nothing wrong with having a regular ass job. Um, if you if you're a doorman or if you work at a restaurant, there's really nothing wrong with that. Because the thing is, what I find what I found really fascinating about jobs that are unrelated to creativity, which I have have done before, and I've also dabbled in my mind about going back to some of them. Not only pay more and have more stability. But they free up that creative space in your mind where you don't have that burnout for having to work on projects that you don't necessarily want to work on or feel like you have to. Yeah, because you have that skill set. So you're doing it, which is why I'm kind of leaving that whole design, web design world. I really don't want to do it anymore because the time is really finite. Our our individual time. Time is infinite, but our time, this is getting into deep shit territory, but time, you only have so much of it. So it's like, how are you going to use it wisely? You know, if you want to have a sixty to $70,000 regular job, whatever it is, an accountant or you're an assistant, you're in an office, that's fine because now guess what you have? You have your evenings and you also have your weekends if your passion is script writing and shooting because you can make time for it. You can call out, you can do whatever. So it's like, or do you want to be a freelancer while that's what I'm doing, freelancing while on my pursuit of filmmaking? So it's like, you just got to have that conversation with yourself. What makes you the happiest? And then just figure that shit out. You know what no, I mean? Joan, you're so right. And I don't want to be a pessimist. Oh, I no, I didn't say, I work. didn't take that as pessimistic. I don't No, 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 no. no, no. I, or, or neither. I want to be, you know, offensive to the audience or anything like that. But I want to say something here. A lot of times, and this is something that, is, you know, I've lived, I've experienced myself. A lot of times we see some videos, we see some photos, and we say to ourselves, I want to do that. I want to do the same thing. I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to do that. But there are times that you don't have the talent to do that. And this is not bad. Because if you can accept it that you don't have the talent, then you can move on to where your talent goes. And you can, you know, master things that you you never thought about because you were pointing into one direction, okay? But your talent is on another direction that you never thought of. It. And I see a lot of people that are saying, I want to do videos. I want to do a film on Netflix, like you mentioned Netflix, or I want to do cinematography. But they don't have the talent to do that. And you see other people's, for example, like Andy too, right? That John uh, mentioned about creatives. He grabs his iPhone, even the iPhone SE, and he makes miracles with an iPhone, right? So this is pure, strict talent. If you remember D'Alessandri, who created a, a new era on video editing, he created the Watch Star of Turkey with, uh, I believe, the GH2. Or the GH2 it was. Uh, Patrick, you, you know that? The yeah, it was either the two, two or the three. Yeah, with the GH2, guys, or the three. And he created this masterpiece that 
inspired so many creators all over the world to do this kind of video editing and video capture. Okay, but it was the story and it was the talent. How you're going to compose the story, how you're going to create a story. We see Patrick, what he does, not because he's our friend and he's right now. He's a true, pure, talented guy. We see Kevin. He started now to shoot uh, photos of products in his house, right? I don't know if it's the A7 III that gave him this inspiration, but I'm like, come on, man. Why? How you didn't do that before? Like, what's going he on? Was just bad. He, was, he was just bad before. That's, uh... Yeah. <laughs> It's, it, I heard it's the camera that makes you good. It's the camera, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's it's a certain it's a certain mode on the camera. You know, you just turn it and it's like, whoa, okay, I, yeah. I just know how to shoot. Yeah, it was just, you guys don't use product mode. What the fuck? <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little green box that says auto. I just put yeah. it in there. <laughs> seen intelligent auto. <laughs> so don't be don't be so harsh to to the machines, uh, the cameras and stuff. These are all in machines. Go and if you think or if you see that you have the talent inside you. Go work on the talent, be better, and all the other stuff are going to come. And also whatever John said and uh, Ke- and Kieser, that if you work for agencies or if you do big commercial and Patrick has a very recent experience, he can confirm or what, you rent a lot of stuff. If Look, we, we, we just did that Porsche job and... We use a C200. Say that again. Say that again. I want to hear it again. Say that. Say that. What? what? <laughs> we, just did a, we just did a Porsche job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Little flex. laughs> um, and we use the C200 Pocket 4K, and we still use the GH5. And I would still say 40% of that video is going to be GH5 footage. Hell Why? Because yeah. it's small. It's simple. It's nimble. It's easy to grab, and it's going to match just fine to both of those cameras. And that's a three-year-old camera that you can pick up for under 1000 bucks now. And we're still using it on every every job that we go on. And I'm just, even if it's just for a pickup shot, if it's something quick, you just grab it and you go. There's no setup. There's no nothing. It's just simple. And the image quality is amazing. Let me tell you, what do you both, you and Lee, have? And it's my personal opinion. Okay, talent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm gonna make that my new Twitter bio: small, nimble, and easy to smash together. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no. Go I back. think too the thing that like. For me, like the inspiration to start shooting all that stuff is like one, it's just something that I really want to get into, but you know, not to be cheesy, but it's just like being on here talking with you guys and being in discord and like meeting new friends online that I feel like I connect with more than like the YouTubers that I watch, you know what I mean? And knowing and and just being able to reach out and, and the support that I have found with this podcast and on Twitter and stuff like that. Like that's one of the things too, for me, cause I'm like a, I'm a big, like, I like to collaborate and I like to like meet new people and talk to new people. So that's one thing too, that like, I'll say for anybody that's listening, like, don't be afraid to like reach out and talk to people and ask questions and, and sound stupid if you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Cause I do that on a daily basis, but I've learned a lot. I learned more in the last like six months about filming and, and photography and cameras and stuff like that. Just speaking with you guys than I did any time before that. So yeah. I, I, don't, buy, I was gonna... don't buy cameras, buy lights, and buy your way into our Discord server. Only the <laughs> no, don't sure. buy cameras, buy friends. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's I, it. That's, I, it. I, that's I, the podcast. We're done. 999. <laughs> don't forget um, 999 for two days. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say uh, uh one of the big benefits of actually having a small camera, and I'm sure Patrick can uh expand on this, is like you're able to put the camera, like the smaller camera, in places that you you wouldn't be able to put the 
the the more expensive camera. Like I'm sure like if Patrick really wanted, he could have just put put his GH5 outside a window and like, you know, like in a in a moving car and be like, "Oh, you know what? If this drops, it's not the end of the world." Versus like uh versus like the C200 or whatever that he rented. He's like, "Nope, this is going to be in both of my hands inside a inside a big rig that's just not going to fall anywhere." Yeah, they like in in Hollywood they call them crash cams, right? Yeah. Like the, everyone's looking for small little cameras that you can just put in places. I think it was like I think American Sniper, the Clint Eastwood one with mm-hmm. uh, Bradley Cooper, used the original pocket, the original Black Magic pocket, because uh, mm. they used it. Mm-hmm. They used it for actually attaching to the front of the sniper, so they could get those shots of Bradley Cooper nice up and close. Because they couldn't do that with the uh, with the area they were shooting with, and so they used a small camera just for that. And I know that pocket four Ks and various other cameras now are being used in those capacities too, but. The fact that you can match them up with the the Aries and all the stuff that they're shooting, the Reds and everything, is just more a testament to like you know they're using those big cameras more so because of the the workflow and how it works on a set than they are just strictly the the image quality. Like there's way more to a camera than just whatever the sensor outputs, right? You can have an amazing amazing sensor, but if the camera's shitty to use, which I kind of think about sometimes with the Pocket 4K. Is that the sensor is like out, outclassing the style of the camera? Like it's a beautiful sensor and it's a beautiful image, but all of the little things that like like kids like you said like these little things that you feel like aren't a big deal just add up into this massive like shitstorm of frustration when you're actually trying to use it on a production in, in that capacity. I've made it better now. Like I don't hate it as much as I used to, but I still grab the GH5, so that says something, right? And I've mm-hmm. been shooting with much more expensive and better cameras since I got that camera, and so you know. Use your iPhone and uh, have some fun with it. <laughs> maybe, maybe instead of that, I'll just buy another iPhone just for shooting. Yeah, just yeah, have an iPhone for iMessage and Discord, and then have another iPhone for all your cinematic shoots. Exactly. Everybody feeling good? You want to call it a wrap? Yeah. Yay. Isabella and I are dying because it's late. Yeah. Yeah. Are, yeah. It's like I will let you guys go to sleep. Two a.m. and. Dead. It's school. It's a school night, so I'll let you guys go to sleep. Oh no! Don't, um, I don't start school until next week, guys. Come on. I know. I know. It's a, okay. It's a work night. Friday's not off. It is a work night. No, work. not we, yet. We work on Fridays. Um, but thank you all for coming back. It was nice to do a recording again. And uh, I can't tell you when the next one will be. But if you want to find out, join us on Discord. I'll put an invite in the description of this episode. But other than that, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Thirsty Thursday, and you will hear us soon. Cheers. Bye.